Hey everybody, this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. Why don't you take a minute, just sit right there, and let me tell you about how I hurt my back yesterday. I wasn't doing anything, and I pulled a muscle so badly in my back that I could only lay down for all of the day. So that's how my quarantine is going. <laughs> this is Kiana. And you are listening to That Broad's Got Moxie. Yeah, I'm just still going solo. World still on a bit of a pause because of COVID-19. Portland is still under the stay home, stay healthy order, which means that Cassie and I and the peanut gallery, Danny, are not recording together. And so I'm here in this room by myself once again. Zeth is here for moral support. He will not be speaking because we do not need to hear him. Now, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and go into my story. So it's still Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, which means we're celebrating our Asian and Pacific Islander women. I have been fo focusing very heavily on Pacific Islander women because I am Pacific Islander. And I like talking about other women who are Pacific Islander just makes me feel good. We don't get talked about a lot. And so I'm going to talk about us. This week, I'm going to talk to you about Ka Ahumanu. And my sources this week are alohahawaii.com, uh, an article called The Woman Who Changed a Kingdom by Betty Fullard Leo, uh, an entry on encyclopediabritannica.com, Wikipedia, of course, holding it solid, and a Lahani news article called The Fascinating Life of Queen Ka'ahumanu. So, as some background, the time period that I'm going to be talking about, the Hawaiian, at least in the beginning, the Hawaiian Islands were not the Hawaiian Islands. They didn't consider themselves as one entity, and there were chiefs on all of the islands that now make up Hawaii that were fighting for control, with some interested in the idea of uniting Hawaii. So that's some context. So Ka'ahumanu's parents were somewhat formidable figures of the time period that I was just explaining. Uh, her mother had been the wife of the late king of Maui, and her father had been part of the royal family on the Big Island. But he briefly moved to Maui after some issues caused him to leave. Ka'ahumanu's mother, Namahana, had a brother who took the throne as the king of Maui after her husband died, and he did not like Ka'ahumanu's father, and he was against their marriage and had an open feud with Namahana's husband. And so Namahana, who was pregnant at the time, was afraid that her child would be harmed in their dispute with one another, so she went to a cave and gave birth, hidden from any harm that may come to their child. And this child was, you can probably guess it, Ka'ahumanu, which translates to bird of feathers, which is nice. Uh, the official birth date is disputed, but most agree that it was probably March 17th, 1768. Um, shortly after her birth on Maui, her family moved back to the Big Island so that her father can join the army of the young King Kamehameha. The first one, the, the, the big one, the OG. <laughs> On the big island, 
Namahana gave birth to four more children. Two were daughters, two were sons. Ka'ahumanu spent much of her childhood on the big island of Hawaii, and when she was seven, she officially met King Kamehameha, who was not king yet, but she met him. And her father was balls to the wall in support of King Kamehameha's desire to unify Hawaii under one rule, and basically became sort of an advisor and a military guy, you know, soldier. That's the word I'm looking for. Came a soldier in his army. And then when Ka'ahumanu was 13, he decided that it would be appropriate to marry her off to King Kamehameha. It said that they had pretty bad marriage, but that sort of happens when a 30-year-old marries a 13-year-old. There's not much to talk about. Not a lot of similar hobbies with that big of an age gap. One is going through puberty, the other is so over puberty. It's just not on the same level. So, you know, that was too bad. And not only that, King Kamehameha had an interest in gathering more wives. So, one place that I read said he had 17 wives, another one said 21, and one person is like, so sure it was 26, but nobody knows. But we do know one of them was Ka'ahumanu. So, told you why the relationship was bad. You know, infidelity, age gap. But now we have to ask, why was it good? <laughs> Romantically, train wreck, bad. Politically, it was everything a person could ask for. Both were fiercely possessive and strong-willed, and Ka'ahumanu was smart and fulfilled a more advisory role in King Kamehameha's life. So she supported him in his efforts to unite the islands and have them all under his central authority. And she also knew who all of his strongest allies were. And oftentimes they were her family members. So that just made her even more of an important figure in his life. And regardless of how their romantic relationship was, King Kamehameha would always refer to her as his favorite wife even through things that were, like, pretty bad. <laughs> so, at one point, Kamehameha married Kiopu Olani, who was the high chief S of Maui. And him getting married was not new, but him appointing her as his sacred wife was new. So, Ka'ahumanu was his favorite, but Kiopu Olani was the one who was going to be giving birth to his heir. And this especially hurt Ka'ahumanu because she was already having struggles getting pregnant herself and him taking on another wife to serve as his sacred wife was just a harsh rejection towards her and also highlighted the fact that she was of lesser nobility and she had some issues with that, but he's still like, oh, you're my favorite. Regardless of what he said, they didn't speak to each other for about a year, and later reconciled. And with reconciliation came more power for Ka'ahumanu, because she wouldn't just come back empty-handed. So, King Kamehameha gave her the power of Puonua, which roughly translates to sanctuary or place of refuge. And this gave her the power to spare people from death to protect women and children, and to save criminals from persecution. 
Uh, about the royal couple, someone once noted, he dealt out death when she saved them from death. When Keopuolani gave birth to the new heir, Prince Liholiho, Kamehameha comp- appointed Ka'ahumanu as the baby's official guardian. So even though his mother was around, not the guardian. In 1810, Kamehameha officially united the Hawaiian Islands under his rule, and a time of peace began. Ka'ahumanu took time to invest in her own hobbies and activities, which included, but not limited to, kite making, kite flying, canoeing, swimming, surfing, board games, specifically checkers, getting drunk with the girls, and puffing on a pipe. (laughs) Sounds like a good life. That's what I wish I could be doing. (laughs) She became a bit lonely because her husband started spending more time with his younger wives, which included her younger sister, right? Scandal. So she decided to take on two young lovers, and boy, oh boy, did this not go over well. Kamehameha assigned a child to follow her around, and when that little snitch reported the affairs, (laughs) Kamehameha had her lovers, lovers strangled. Too bad. What a guy. Just choices being made. Some of them good. Good job uniting Hawaii. But fuck you also. (laughs) Realizing she couldn't have any romantic companionship while Kamehameha was around, Ka'ahumanu just stuck to her hobbies. And then in May 1819, her life got shaken up a bit because King Kamehameha died and Liholiho inherited the throne which was the the child under her guardianship. Before his death, Ka'ahumanu claimed that King Kamehameha doubted his son's ability to lead, so he created a position for her, which was sort of the prime minister role, which Hawaii had never had before. And this meant that she would rule as an equal with Liholiho. And (laughs) so she claimed he said this, but no one else knew it, and a funny thing happened. So, upon hearing of his father's death, Liholio went to the capital, expecting to take over the throne, and when he arrived, he was greeted by Ka'ahumanu wearing King Kamehameha's royal cape, (laughs) and she announced to all the people on the shore, and even to Liholio, who was surprised, she was just like, we too shall rule the land, meaning together. And Leo Leo, not really sure what to do with this power play, just accepted it. <laughs> so Ka'ahumanu just became the most powerful woman in Hawaii, probably the most powerful person, just by saying that she had the right and everybody just believed her. And I love that. <laughs> Um, so he took on a merely ceremonial role. Cer- oh, that was hard for me. <laughs> he took on a merely ceremonial role, and she had all of the administrative power. And she was not shy in wielding that power. Her first order of business was to rid the island of the kapu system, which she, she saw as unfair. The kapu system was a universal like code that stretch to lifestyle, gender roles, politics, and religion. And violating the kapu system, which included men and women dining at the same table, 
was considered a threat to spiritual power and would result in death. She wasn't a fa- fan of that because she liked she liked eating a meal with her <laughs> her cohorts and she wasn't allowed to do that. So within six months of rising to power, Liho Liho, he became Kamehameha II and Ka'ahumanu went to his mother and they together convinced Kamehameha II to break the sacred kapu system. And essentially what they did was they had a dinner and just in front of other people and was like, they were like, hey, come sit with us, King Kamehameha II. And he was like, uh, can't, but I'm the king. Ah, oh, that's my mom and my guardian. I guess I'll go eat with them. And that's, that's all it took. <laughs> which, is, which is fun. King Kamehameha II didn't spend much of his rule in Hawaii and went to England in 1823 and then died there. So, um, before he left, Ka'ahumanu was appointed the queen regent. And then after he died, she was the queen regent until Kamehameha III should come of age. Which just meant the power was hers alone for a while because that bitch was 11. So he couldn't do shit. <laughs> so, next order of business, take care of the kawaii sitch. And I'll explain what the sitch is. You see, even though the Hawaiian states were unified, Kauai had vassal status because instead of going to war and being defeated like the other islands did, they had the king of Kauai had negotiated a bloodless surrender that put them under King Kamehameha's rule but still maintained their own governing system. Without Kamehameha around, Ka'ahumanu was afraid that they would break away and destroy the legacy of a united Hawaiian island. So she did what any reasonable person would do, obviously, and kidnapped the king and forced him to marry her. <laughs> this <laughs> this took care of it for a little bit, but then he died. And it, he died in 1824. And after his death, one of his sons began a rebellion against the crown. She settled this situation by just marrying his brother. And then all was good. Hawaii was unified once again. (laughs) So now, the things she did or helped do so far. Uniting Hawaii, which I count because she helped King Kamehameha do it. Dismantling the largely oppressive uh, kapu system. And keeping the islands unified after Kamehameha's death. All big deals. Now, if she didn't shake up the system enough, the work in her later life would have done it, for better or for worse. So, in 18... 24, she fully embraced the Protestant missionaries that came to the island to convert the people. Uh, She encouraged her subjects to embrace the faith as well, which actually led to a rise in literacy rates on the island for a short period of time. Admirable. And under her rule as well, she presented Hawaii with its first codified bodies of laws modeled after Christian ethics and values. So under her rule, stringent laws were passed against murder, theft, smoking, and Sabbath breaking. In 1825, she was baptized. And then, (laughs) so two places. You know when you're baptized, sometimes you get a new name. So she was either known then as the new Ka'ahumanu, 
just the same name, or Elizabeth. <laughs> which, is, which is just fun, I guess. <laughs> she became fairly close with the Protestant missionaries on the island at this time, so much so that they began to have a sway in her rule. And in 1827, they persuaded her to ban the Roman Catholic Church from practicing on the island completely. All Catholic missionaries were ordered to leave, and a few years later, she outright banned any Catholic teachings and threatened to deport whoever broke the law. The new rules of morality gradually changed the structure of Hawaiian society in itself. Marriage became more popular, homosexuality became less accepted on the islands, polygamy was banned, and traditional gods were no longer being worshipped. So, take that what you will. I don't think that's great. <laughs> but she was pleased with herself. Over the following years, Ka'ahumanu and her council encountered the inevitable problems that come with the intrusion of foreigners. Ownership of the land came into question, who made laws came into question, and although she was Christian, she warded off any f missionaries who she deemed bad in that they were using the Christian, like, name to take over the Hawaiian kingdom, which she was not a for. So she was actively trying to ward that off, but also completely changing the structure of Hawaiian practices and morals by accepting certain things and outlawing certain things. It's complex, if you will. Like many women are. <laughs> complex. Word of the day. <laughs> Not a big word, but a word. Complex. <laughs> so under her rule as well, with a now more grown-up King Kamehameha III, she negotiated the first ever treaty between the Kingdom of Hawaii and the United States in 1826 under the administration of President John Quincy Adams. You don't hear about that guy a lot. <laughs> so the treaty essentially paid off any debts that Hawaiians owed to American traders, which was good, and it earned her and Kamehameha III a lot of favor domestically. Um, however, the treaty also served as a free trade agreement that gave Americans the right to enter all ports of Hawaii to do business and sue citizens of Hawaii in Hawaiian courts, and Hawaiian laws and protections were extended to American traders as well. Great for Americans, bad for Hawaiians. Listen to episode three of this lovely podcast to hear the story of Queen Lilio Kalani and the bastard Americans that stole her land. That's an ad that I paid myself to make with love and attention. Um, <laughs> anywho, after this treaty was made, so she made, she went to the U.S. to make the treaty and then came back. And after she came back, she realized that her health was failing and recognizing that this was the last years of her life, uh, she requested to be taken to her home in Oahu. On her deathbed, missionaries gifted her the first copy of the New Testament in the Hawaiian language bound in red le leather with her name engraved in gold letters on the top. And she kept that with her until her death. And on June 5th, 1832, she breathed her final words, which were, I'm going now. 
where the mansions are ready. Opulence. (laughs) Uh, And she was 64 when she died. Now, while there is some contention to her legacy, there was no doubt that she was a very powerful woman that led the Hawaiian people in a time of great changes. And that's all for Queen Ka'ahumanu. And what was she? Word of the day, complex. (laughs) The word is complex, but the word is also easy at the same time. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'll wrap this up. (laughs) If you have any thoughts or, you know, you want to judge me, you may do so by rating, (laughs) reviewing, and subscribing wherever you're listening. If you're mean to me, I will cry. And that is a threat. (laughs) If you want to also, you can follow us on all of our social medias. On Facebook, we are at That Broad Scott Moxie. And on Twitter, we are at Moxie. And then if you wanted to provide us with more words than what DMs typically allow, you can email us by, you know, drafting an email and sending it to thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail.com. And also, I just want to say, happy Asian and Pacific Islander Month. That's all. Goodbye. Music by Sage Krenning, cover art by Vinny Navarrete, produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick it to the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.